1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dice Cast on roto Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network, and our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. We're wrapping up Best Ball Mania 3 and all the, the puppies and the underdogs and the, the greyhounds. All those are wrapping up. So now it's time for the nitty-gritty, time for the pick and We'll talk about that later, though, Dan. Dan. I know you want to talk about the pick right now, but we have to wait until later. Dan, the season is almost here. In fact, you might be listening to this in your ear holes. And watching whoever who's playing Monday night or Thursday night. I don't even
2: know. Um, football teams. Two football yep. teams will be playing on Thursday. <laughs> That's ac- accurate. So, Dan, how are you this evening? I'm I'm good. I, I know you said we didn't want to talk about Underdog. I, my bank account is, like, emptying rapidly. I've been hammering. Responsibly Responsibly, empty. responsibly gambling. I am not addicted. <laughs> However my bank account may look, I am not addicted. But I have been hammering. Best of all, Mania three entries. I have been hammering all of the different games, all of the different, you know, the three teams, the six teams. It, it, there's just so much fun to be had on Underdog. Obviously, we're gambling responsibly, so yes, we will talk about Underdog a little bit longer. But I had to get that off my chest because uh, I haven't felt like, because uh, I don't, I don't play a lot of DFS. I do a little bit, but this to me is kind of like filling that void in my heart where I can just set it and forget it.
1: Alrighty, so this is the show that you're listening to, leading up to the season or just after the season has started. you're on a Friday morning commute. Dynasty Tradecast, It is our Bold Predictions episode. We're gonna run down our fantasy MVP, bus, uh, comeback fantasy player of the year, dynasty riser, follower, and much more. So, Dan, are you excited for the season?
2: Uh, you know, I was I was losing a little bit of that of that like urge for football, and now that we're getting a little bit closer, it's like. Okay, I'm starting to get that, that feel back. I'm starting to get that love, that fire, that passion, Nathan. We've, we've been lacking a little passion. The passion's here. The passion is here, and I have passion for my fantasy MVP. I'm going to start us
1: off with our fantasy MVP for, for this year. And as I was writing it down, Dan, I'm pretty sure I may have accidentally <laughs> done this two years in a row. And if I did, I don't care, because I think it's it, it could have been accurate last year, and it will be accurate this year. My fantasy MVP for the 2022 season with a ADP, of with an ADP in the sixth round, six oh four on the dynasty ADP on your dynasty ADP app with RotoViz promo code rvradio twenty twenty two. I'm going with Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, the the juxtaposition for this being, I was expecting a, a, a further breakout from Hollywood. Obviously, he's had success in the NFL thus far in his career, but he hasn't quite become you know a top NFL receiver. I was expecting a reemergence from one Lamar Jackson and. It happened to an extent, but not to the extent that we were hoping for with with Hollywood Brown. And now he gets traded from one Lamar Jackson to Kyler Murray, who does seem to be an upgrade from the passing perspective at the very least. So I'm predicting a huge year for Hollywood as he is, the wide receiver one in Arizona for at least the first six weeks. But I I think that with the way that DeAndre Hopkins looked looked last year, I think that H- Hopkins is going to be hard-pressed to earn that wide receiver one job back from Hollywood Brown after he has, you know, six or seven weeks of playing with Kyler Murray.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's going to be hard to take the Hopkins' spot out of that offense. But I do think that he may kind of be pushed more into that red zone role that you need a first down. That's your guy. But I, I do, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit that I don't think Hopkins is going to be peppered with the amount of targets he's been peppered with when healthy and when on the field. In the, the the entirety of his career, if we're being honest, uh, so I, I do really like the Hollywood Brown pick. I know both of us have been fans of him ever since he came in, and um, that you know to me the the move is lateral from a quarterbacking perspective. I think it's an upgrade offensively as a whole. I I, I believe more in a Kingsbury offense than I do in a Harbaugh offense, uh, you know, that, that one has been littered with running and, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson is going to do Lamar Jackson things. And we get a little bit of that from Kyler Murray, uh, not quite to the extent as Lamar, where, where that team is built around running and, and they do also throw it. The Cardinals are a well-oiled machine, or they should be assuming Kyler's healthy and Hollywood's going to have, you know, kind of free reign for, the first half of the season, and that's going to be huge. So uh, I do like that pick. Um, My uh, fantasy MVP was going to be Hollywood Brown's former teammate, Rashad Bateman. But because of those slight worries from the Ravens on the passing attack aspect, I went just, just slightly higher in ADP. He's only a few spots above Hollywood Brown. He's only one spot above Rashad Bateman. I'm going Alvin Kamara, I think. The New Orleans Saints, from a fantasy perspective, might be being slept on a little bit. Uh, You know, I I get the whole Jameis thing, but we've seen some massive fantasy output from Jameis when, you know, he's not throwing an interception. He seems to be throwing a touchdown or at least a YOLO ball down the field. And I do think that's going to bode well for Michael Thomas. But I also think because Alvin Kamara is dodging that suspension in 2022, he and potentially, you know, forever, who, who knows?
1: Are we sure, that's my one question with with, with labeling Kamara as the fantasy MVP, are we sure that he's going to dodge suspension? Because like, yes, it'd be bad if he misses the first four or six games of this year. What would be worse is if we get to week nine, week 10, and he's suspended at least 11 through 16.
2: I think unless something new develops, that I don't think there's any way that if they haven't already suspended him, that they can all of a sudden just up and suspend him based on the information that they have. So I think right now I'm comfortable putting Kamara much, much higher than he's going. I think the risk is almost non-existent until 2023. And that offense could be an absolute monster. They, you know, they, they bring in Jarvis Landry as well. I, I think, I think he is going to help that offense a little bit. They go uh, and they draft, they get themselves uh, uh, well, well, who knows how good of a wide receiver in Garrett Wilson uh, or um, Chris so Olav. Sorry, I, I, you know, Ohio State wide receiver. They got they got two of them on the roster now. Him and Michael Thomas. They bring in Jarvis Landry. Kamara, you know, was just kind of thrown by the wayside. And, and we've seen some absolutely huge output from him as well. You know, we, we know we can catch the ball. And that's kind of that, that big uptick in the running back position that we look for. Obviously, the carries are important. But I'd rather have a running back catching sixty balls than a you know than a pure runner just carrying it two hundred and fifty times. I think Kamara can do both of those, and uh, I'm looking for some big volume and a lot of efficiency out of him. And I think that offense is going to turn some heads.
1: Yeah, my, my literal only concern with Alvin Al- Kamara is the potential suspension. I think that on the field he's going to be a workhorse. There's not much behind him. You know, the the ghost of Mark Ingram is still there. But that offense is going to run through Alvin Kamara. Even, you know, Michael Thomas's injuries are still up in the air. And so the the touchdown upside is like 20, 23, 20, you know, who knows Huge. what the, uh, like he could have like 40% of the same touchdowns and, and, who, and who would be surprised? I don't know about the math there,
2: but. Um, I like your any, math. I appreciate yeah. the math.
1: Sure. Hashtag math. Uh, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I, I think that the bigger question here is that this, this is obviously fantasy MVP for this year, but this is a dynasty show. So if you are if you are casting aside Alvin Kamara's suspension in 2023, because it's only, you know, reportedly a four to six game suspension, are you not gauging that into your dynasty value if you're trying to trade for an Alvin Kamara right now? Or are you trading for some, hey, I'm gonna get sixteen games in twenty twenty-two and I'm gonna probably get like ten games in twenty twenty-three?
2: Well, I think his price essentially has gone to a redraft price. Yeah, I mean, you're still having to spend probably the equivalent of a fifth round startup pick on him to get him. But in terms of RB1 overall upside, you know, I think he's going to be right there with Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I don't you know. Najee Harris, I, I don't see much differentiation, but the price difference is massive. So a redraft type price for an RB1. I think is is well worth it, and anything beyond these sixteen seventeen games we get out of Alvin Kamara, I think is just a bonus based on the price. Obviously, he's not going to be missing all of twenty twenty three; it's only a portion. But nothing really will change from the Saints' perspective for Kamara. So while I, I do see you know the the second contract or the third contract or the however many contract running backs as more of redraft assets, I don't think this does anything against Kamara's dynasty value because of how low he's gotten
1: my next one is the fantasy bust and for my fantasy bust i am going with one michael Pittman jr who is going to pick 411 in dynasty adp with the road of his dynasty adp app i and i don't even think that this adp accurately matches the twitter hype accurately matches the trade hype i think that there are a lot of people that are just sliding Michael Pittman into the conversation of a T Higgins, of a Jalen Waddle, of a Debo Samuel, a, a few wide receivers ahead of him and kind of leapfrogging the DJ Morris and Devontae Adams, the Stefan Diggs. And I understand there's probably the, the age difference there a little bit more so with, with Adams and Diggs, but I don't think we've seen quite what people think we've seen from Michael Pittman. I think he's been a very solid NFL wide receiver too, but in order for him to match that price of wide receiver 15, he needs to be a, NFL wide receiver one, he needs to be producing in a very good offense. What does, and I guess this this is the first step of this. I think that the most important question for Michael Pittman is what do we see the Colts offense being in 2022? I think they're going to be a very average, maybe slightly above average offense. I think that in order to get Michael Pittman to being worth the top 15 wide receiver price, you have to have like a top 10 season out of that Colts offense.
2: Well, then the big thing is going to be what what Matt Ryan are we getting? Are we, are we getting the slightly above average performer that we saw for all of those years in Atlanta with Julio Jones? Or, or are we seeing Matty Yikes, where he just really doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. He's seeing ghosts out there. We've seen both versions kind of on and off over the last few years. So if Matt Ryan can be serviceable it'll be a huge step forward from what they've had at quarterback essentially since they lost Andrew Luck because even Philip Rivers wasn't you know wasn't a big a big upgrade for them um th- i think this pick could go one of two ways either Michael Pittman absolutely smashes or he does in fact fail us because that offense runs through Jonathan Taylor and it's not as big of a passing attack or at least a down the field passing attack as as they want it to be because they have a dead armed Matt Ryan. So I don't really think there's much middle ground where Michael Pittman will just kind of meet his expectations. I think he either smashes or fails miserably. So I I think that bodes very well to put into your bust because it's probably a true 50 50. I, I want to believe that the Colts offense is going to be good because they do have the best runner in the NFL in Jonathan Taylor. And, that just kind of helps open up the entire offense because the defense has to stack a box to stop him. And if that's leaving wide receivers one-on-one on on the outside, you know, that, that could bode well for Michael Pittman. I think he's done enough to, you know, at least have the potential to get to where he's supposed to be. But they, it seems like they really like Alec Pierce. Uh, You know, I, I don't know how much volume there really is going to be in this offense. So This is a tough one to call right now. I think after about the first month, we may, we may obviously, you know, hindsight will be 2020, but I I think we'll learn very quickly what this offense is going to look like.
1: And I I do think that the base volume, his, his floor volume wise is still relatively high. It's just not relatively high compared to his price. Like I I think that Michael Pittman's like realistic floor injuries aside, yada, yada, is probably like that wide receiver 20 to 26 range, but he's being priced worse receiver 15, and that and that's really accounting for, okay, he's going to be higher than YRC receiver 15 because you're paying that premium quote-unquote
2: price. Sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, okay, my, my bust is... Uh, I don't want to say it kind of coincides with a lot of what Twitter has been up to the last month and a half or two months, but I'm going to say Brees Hall. I, I don't think this New York Jets offense is going to be what people want it to be. I still don't think Zach Wilson's good. And I think the Jets like Michael Carter more than all of us like Michael Carter. I still don't think Michael Carter is very good. But I do think he's going to dominate touches early. And if he does anything with them, they'll continue to ride him and bring Brees along slowly. Now, you don't spend what you spend on Brees to not play him. But you also do kind of want to protect him for the future. You don't want to burn all of that rubber off the tires Year one, uh, I, I think it'll be a slow roll of Brees Hall. I think the expectations are far too high, even whether it's dynasty or redraft. Obviously, being a dynasty show, we're, we're kind of speaking in those terms. But I think Brees Hall got way too high, way too fast on the board. And yes, historically speaking, those values remain pretty true. He's going where most rookies have gone in the past. I just think that that the Jets are too much of an unknown To spend that much and on that much potential risk, just you know, for for the potential you know RB two season, I think at best in that Jets offense, I I just don't see the true upside that's being projected for him.
1: Now, I think that Brees Hall is being priced accordingly, team agnostic. If you would have told me in April, Brees Hall is going to be the uh, you know an early second round pick in the NFL draft he's going to be the RB six going three Oh one in startups in August. I I wouldn't have said anything was wrong with that. Uh, but you bring in the jets offense. I personally am a fan of the jets offense. I think that it's an exciting offense with Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson. And, you know, as they're building up that offense, Corey Davis and uh, Tyler Conklin, many, there's many pieces in that offense that I'm attracted to. Um, there is a key difference here between you and I is that I do think that Zach Wilson is an NFL quarterback. You necessarily do not. And so that's where we will disagree on the Brees Hall bust evaluation. I think Brees Hall could definitely quote unquote bust and, and be overvalued at this stage. If Zach Wilson continues to be hurt or just doesn't get right and doesn't play well. And that's where kind of the the side of the coin that you're on. And so I think the Brees Hall bust is more so relying on the factors within his offense more so than his talent
2: level. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it, but I, I still don't think he's as high of a level. Like I I would rather have a Najee Harris, regardless of situation. I think Najee Harris is a more talented back. I'd much rather have Deandre Swift. I think he's significantly more talented. I'm still taking Christian McCaffrey in that equation. Like there, there's so many running backs kind of going in a similar spot that not only do I think are just, better talent-wise, I also think they have a better situation. So he kind of falls on the wrong side of both for me in that aspect. But there is that huge potential that if Zach Wilson does figure out how to play football, that offense could smash. So
1: where would you be at on Brees versus ETN?
2: See, that's that's a, just a coin flip. I think both, again, are essentially the same prospect, you know, Talent-wise, I actually think that Travis Etienne is more talented, but I think I'd probably like the Jets' offense better than the than the Jags' offense.
1: Yeah, so you're really just picking which, which offense do you like better when you have the similar prospect profiles.
2: That basically a pure unknown. I mean, I, I want to believe Etienne is going to return to Clemson form, but who knows?
1: Yeah, no, and we talk about, you know, players vastly changing in price. And it's hard for Etienne to vastly change in price when he's going at RB9 and and in the fourth round. But I think that Etienne could swing up two rounds to the early second, to the late first, or swing back two rounds to the late fifth, early sixth, based on just his first month of performances. Because that first month is going to tell us, is this guy a stud back? Is this guy the guy who's going to get volume? And I think that the first month would be very indicative. And I think that Brees will be given more of the benefit of the doubt because he's got a year of... Okay, the Jets are going
2: to suck. That that one year is insulation, too, on the value. It, it, he'll, he'll retain his value better than ETN will. Just I, I don't know why it works that way, but it works that way. All right, let's
1: go to our comeback fantasy player of the year. Uh, mine would also uh, be valid for comeback player of the year. Um, I don't know about Dan's. Uh, my <laughs> comeback fantasy player of the year. Is Baker Mayfield? I, I don't think I'm going out on any crazy limb. It's a somewhat bold prediction that he's like fifth or sixth on the on the list of comeback player of the year odds on most websites. The NFC South is bad. It's it's, it's really bad, and uh, the NFC is also very bad. <laughs> Outside of the the Packers, Bucks, and Rams, the NFC is wide open. And if Baker Mayfield leads leads the pa- the Panthers to that five seed as the second place in the NFC South. He is very easily going to be the comeback player of the year. And add the fantasy component to that, you have D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. There are weapons abound. And granted, there were weapons in in Cleveland, too. But there are weapons abound in in Carolina. And I think that McCaffrey is a good running back to have with your quarterback. So I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield at this stage. And I think that he could easily, you know, get second in that division and, and thus win the comeback player of the year.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, Baker, Baker definitely isn't elite, but I think he's probably going to be most deserving of the true comeback player of the year. I think there's a lot of potential for the fantasy comeback player of the year for, you know, we give out awards, obviously, you know, we're, we're big award guys. Um, I, there's enough in that offense. Like you said, with DJ Moore, with Christian McCaffrey, uh, even, I mean, they bring in Laviska Chenault. If he can return to form, because he I mean he hold was, on it what form he was fine what as a rookie I mean for what they asked him to do I mean he he was good enough I think uh, you add that into with what Robbie Anderson can do and that trio you know obviously we'll see what happens with Terrace Marshall I'd like for him to be that third wide receiver but if viska can take over that underneath of the intermediate work and open it up for the outside guys that could potentially be massive and and that's just another weapon for Baker to work with. You could argue that this is the the most weapons he's had. Yeah, that Cleveland team did have whatever version of OBJ that was, probably prime Jarvis Landry. You have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but you smash Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt together, what do you have? Christian McCaffrey. I think this wide receiver core is better than the Cleveland Browns wide receiver core was. Uh this, you know, th- this could be huge for Baker. And I I love this pick. I probably would have gone with Baker had you not. Um, But yeah, I mean, that, that one makes all the sense in the world. I, my, (laughs) my comeback player of the year, my fantasy comeback player of the year is probably the boldest prediction I've made on any of the 43 bold prediction show we've ever done because we've been on the, on the air for 43 years doing this. Uh, I'm going with Seattle Seahawks, Drew Locke. Now, If we can see Jameis Winston put up fantasy numbers galore with wide receivers that he had, and you know, in a team that was whatever that team was, why not Drew Locke? This team is awful. They are going to be on potentially throwing the ball all game, every game. But they also have two what should be good running backs in Kenny Walker and Rashad Penny. You still have DK Metcalf. You still have Tyler Lockett. You have Noah Fant now, which is a massive upgrade. You have three real receiving weapons. And Drew Locke hasn't been good, but he also hasn't had a ton of volume to really show and, and produce as a fantasy quarterback. I think now is potentially the time where we see him truly unload. Why not throw him out there and, and just... Go out, have fun, do what you can do, right? Pete Carroll has never really been one to not take that chance. You know, hey, smash it into the line with Marshawn Lynch. Nope, let's throw a pick and lose the Super Bowl because of it. Pete Carroll's going to let Drew Locke go out there and run and gun. All he wants, they're going to throw the ball a bajillion times because they're going to be behind in every game ever. There's potential here for Drew Locke to put up a high-end QB2 season if he gets the volume.
1: Now, I have a couple, uh, a few protests here. Uh, first, um, Drew Locke is not the Seahawks' starting quarterback. Is that a problem? Yes, he is. No, he's not. Geno yes, is.
2: He, they're not going to play Gino.
1: He, he, he's starting week one. Didn't they say that?
2: That will last one quarter. <laughs> what? Gino Smith doesn't have arms. He can't throw. That He's just going to turn around and hand it off to their seventh string running back.
1: So they named their starting quarterback for the year, and it's going to last one quarter? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, mark that down for Sunday. Um, other other uh, protests being Pete Carroll
2: uh, we'll protest away.
1: And Pete Pete, I just said Pete Pete Carroll.
2: Right. He doesn't know what he's doing. So after they realize that Geno Smith isn't a quarterback, they're going to put Drew in, and that's all she wrote.
1: Okay. And my my final protest. Drew Lock. <laughs>
2: Hey, I, I mean, Jameis Winston still starting football games, and uh, Drew Locke isn't James worse Winston than Jameis Winston. Is 10
1: times quarterback Drew Locke
2: is No, Marcus Mariota is starting football games. Matt Ryan still in the league. Drew Locke is just fine. He is a top 32 quarterback.
1: Now, I will say this. After all those protests, I don't mind Drew Locke. I don't mind Seattle Seahawks quarterback as a late-round flyer in Superflex because— I love ZK Metcalf. I love some Tyler Lockett and Noah Fant, as I'll talk about shortly. There are the pieces around the Seattle Seahawks quarterback. The question is, do we? Pro- the, the question and answer is, we probably just need to wait one more year before we start caring about the Seattle Seahawks quarterback.
2: Well, yeah. Once they draft their quarterback in the future, you know, then then we'll be fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then Pete Carroll was smart enough. All right. Uh, I don't think we did our ad yet. So, um, underdog, underdog fantasy. Uh, you may have heard of it. It is the best place to play baseball. I know you're saying Nathan. Like the uh, the NFL season started like two days ago. Doesn't matter. Underdog is your your home for for fantasy gaming all season long. You have overs and unders. You have pickems. Dan, what are you gonna be doing on Underdog this season?
2: Well, if you're listening to this before Thursday. I'm still smashing the button on any Best Ball Mania 3 contest, any spots they have left. It's like 98% filled at this point, so it, it potentially is going to be closed slash full slash football season already has started. But what I'm going to be doing is putting my money in to Underdog using code ROTOVIZ, that's ROTOVIZ, and letting them match my deposit up to $100. Your first deposit gets matched each and every time, Nathan? Well, not each and every time because otherwise it has to be your first deposit. But <laughs> I'm going and I'm playing pick 'em. There's there's 3-person drafts, there's 6-person drafts, there's there's all of the different person drafts you can play more than just football. There's there's so much to do on Underdog. I've been I've been just playing my my little heart out uh joining all, as many of the the BM3s as I can getting in all of the other best ball contests that they have. I, I used Viz when I signed up originally. I got my full match worth every penny. That's just free entries. That's free money for you to win more. Obviously, we're gambling responsibly.
1: Playing responsibly.
0: Yes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. All right, now let's get into the latter half of the show. We have our Dynasty Riser and
1: Faller and our Super Bowl picks. So, my Dynasty Riser actually kind of goes hand-in-hand with Dan's Comeback Fantasy Player of the Year. Noah Fant. Noah Fant has a chance to be something special this year. More so, he has a chance to be something special in 2023. But, if Drew Locke is the Comeback Fantasy Player of the Year, Noah Fant is going to rise up the boards. He's currently drafted in the middle of the 11th round. In the middle of the 11th round, at tight end 13. Like, in my opinion, you can't name five more talented tight ends than Noah Fant. You might not even be able to name three more talented tight ends than Noah Fant. He has just gotten the, you know, the, the bad end of the stick each and every which way so far in his NFL career, including being glued to one Drew Locke. And... My, no, that's Albert o. Albert o. is the one that played with with Drew Locke in college. Noah Fant, <laughs> Noah Fant went to Iowa with all the other, you know, cornbread boys. Um, but Noah Fant at tight end 13 is a B-A-R-G-A-I-N bargain. And I think that his talent level will, you know, go over the poorness of the situation and will help him be successful in – 2022 and beyond and so i, I think he's gonna be a huge riser um if he finishes at like tight end seven tight end eight that rises him up the board into to make like a sixth or seventh round pick being drafted around tight end six, six or seven
2: well and the crazy part is, is he's only gonna be 25 in november so uh, he, we're still talking about a young tight end and we've already seen the production he's already got back-to-back 60 plus catch seasons over 670 yards both times you know, the, the touchdowns have lacked a little bit, but that kind of goes with that Denver offense. It, it's been not very good, and he has been extremely consistent and definitely pretty darn good as far as, as, you know, a pass catcher in that offense goes. And now you you even put it into kind of a narrower frame, and you're looking at the tight end landscape, and you have a guy that goes with those back-to-back seasons plus a strong rookie season, And you're sliding him to tight end 13 because he got traded from a bad team to a bad team with the same potential quarterback. Uh, Make that make sense. I I love this pick as a riser. Normally, we're not in love with a lot of tight ends. But Noah Fant's one of those guys that, you know, could have potentially been getting that that Kyle Pitts type treatment. And he's just been thrown out the window and, and... I'm gobbling up as many shares as I can get. The price is definitely a bargain, like Nathan said, and there's there's some huge potential depending on where he kind of exists following his rookie contract. So if he signs elsewhere, great. If he stays in Seattle after they draft a, you know, a, a quarterback early in the next draft, even better. But the price to buy is now... And I, I, I still think we're going to get plenty of fantasy output. I mean, we've seen Seattle have strong tight end seasons from, I mean, dead bodies, if we're being honest. And all of a sudden you bring in a playmaker like Noah Fant. I, I just don't see how he's not at the very least producing what he's produced the last couple of years. And hopefully we see a little bit of positive tight end, uh, touchdown regression.
1: All right, and let's go into the dynasty follower. Who is falling down the draft boards this season? Daniel,
2: this one is—it's again a little bit out there because I mean he's pretty much set in stone to have a huge season. I'm going with Cooper Cup. Now, before you scoff at me, hear hear me out. It's 29 going on 30. Obviously, not until next June, but. They bring in Allen Robinson. They still have the name placard on the wall for Odell Beckham. I don't. I don't think you bring in Allen Robinson without the. You know the the they're they're going to throw Allen Robinson the ball a lot. Teams are going to work to take away Cooper Cup based on what he's been doing. Teams haven't worked to take away Cooper Cup. They've worked to take away all of the other wide receivers that the Rams have had over the last, what, three years? And Cooper Cup has just been kind of left on an island to do whatever the hell he wants. That changes, in my opinion, this year. I think they put the focus on Cooper Cup defensively, and I think that allows Allen Robinson to return to Allen Robinson form, the non-Chicago Allen Robinson. I, I just I don't see how Cooper Cup continues to do what he's doing when he can, I think, in my opinion, be taken away much easier than an outside wide receiver can be taken away that has elite upside and has produced at the level that Allen Robinson has produced at. Now, I think, I don't know if it's necessarily a a return to like 2020 where he had less than a 1,000 yards on like 90 catches, but there is no shot. He's catching 140 plus balls and almost 2,000 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Not happening. No way. I think as he approaches 30 and his usage goes down, Allen Robinson trajectory going up slightly, even though he's getting up there in age as well. I think we see those two flip-flop and you know kind of take each other's place as far as ADP goes. I just don't see how Cooper Cup can sustain as, as high as he's been going.
1: Yeah, uh, Cooper Cup is a perfect example of when I look at ADP, you know, this has been the case pretty much since January, February, when I look at ADP saying, yeah, that's fine, but he's guaranteed to have a lower ADP in the following season. Therefore, he's not a guy who I'm going to invest a a top pick on because when I'm investing those top two, three, four, five round picks, I always want a guy that I I think can, you know, increase in value from that point on rather than decrease where, you know, these uh, descending assets like Cooper Cup, that's the case with them like Cooper Cup theoretically could have the same exact season that he had in 2021, granted, not really statistically possible, but he could have the same exact season and he would fall in ADP. And that's just how age works. And so if Cooper Cup ages, as well as, you know, regresses in any sort sort of fiscal format, then he's going to drop from, you know, a mid to late first round pick in startups to what, like the mid third round. And that's a huge, that's a huge drop in value. Um, So, this isn't really saying, like, if you have Cooper Cup and you don't sell, you're an idiot. But if you have Cooper Cup and you're holding on to him, this is you saying, I'm comfortable with losing that much value between now and December.
2: I mean, look at where Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams, they, they're going in that, that mid-third, the spot you're talking about. Uh, and I, to be honest, would probably rather have both of those guys. Definitely Devontae Adams. I think Stefan Diggs is probably on par. But you look at some of the young guys going around where Cooper Cup is going. AJ Brown, give me AJ Brown every day of the week. T. Higgins, he's a wide receiver too on his team, but he's better than a lot of teams wide receiver one. Give me T. Higgins there. Jalen Waddle, I'm taking Jalen Waddle. Debo Samuel, I'm taking Debo Samuel. DK Metcalf. Give me Metcalf. Like I, I get the short-term upside of Cooper Cup. I genuinely do. I think it's not going to be anywhere near what it was last year. But also, like like Nathan said. It's guaranteed loss in value when you get wide receivers over the age of 27, 28. They're going to continue to go down. We watched it happen with Devontae Adams. Yes, he did get traded from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, but that shouldn't warrant like a two-round drop. Stefan Diggs fell on the board. He still has Josh Allen. He's, he's He's got the best quarterback of all three of those guys that you kind of would put in the same tier. So it, it's guaranteed loss in value. He's been going too high. You know, uh, from a redraft thing, sure, whatever. Take him in the top eight, whatever you want to do, because he'll probably still have a top eight to ten wide receiver season. I just don't see him as a top three wide receiver, how he's being drafted in short-term stuff. Dynasty-wise, there's no way I'm picking him in the top two rounds.
1: All right, let's move on to the non-fantasy side of the show, and it's our Super Predictions. They are nearly bad every year. I think a few years ago I picked the Jaguars, that was a good idea. Um so they are bold predictions, Dan. So I, I almost I almost went with with Bills over Bucks or or Chiefs over, over Rams. I didn't go the easy way out though. I, I went a little bit further down the board. My Super Bowl pick, my bold prediction, Super Bowl pick is the Baltimore Ravens over the Green Bay Packers. I'm not scared of Aaron Rodgers losing Devontae Adams. He's a freak. He's got you know plenty of stuff around him still that he can work with because he's Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon's going to run that running game. And the Ravens, I mean, people might say, oh, the Packers are the Packers, yada, yada. The AFC is absolutely ridiculous. But the one differentiator that the Ravens have is that they, it when they get things going, they have an elite running game. And it, it yes, I know, it's a passing league, got it. It is difficult to stop an elite running game in the playoffs. And if, if Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are humming like they were a couple years ago, they could very easily reach the Super Bowl.
2: I mean, it's bold. The Packers' defense is absolutely god-awful, but you're right. Aaron Rodgers is different, man. He, he, can, he can do things that nobody else can do, and, and I think the Ravens are just kind of in that talk of teams that could do it from the AFC. The AFC is nuts. I was going to go with the Chargers because of the changes that they made on defense. They brought in a lot, a, a bunch of elite assets, And that defense should be significantly better on top of what already was an elite offense. However, it didn't make sense for the bid. So the bid is the have-nots. I'm going Buffalo Bills over the Minnesota Vikings, Nathan. Two teams that don't have Super Bowls, that I think are both 0-4. The Bills doing it in a short period of time. The Vikings doing it, I think, also in a short period of time. But a couple of offers, uh in, a, in a, a land of chaos that AFC is going to be tough to come out of. But we watched Buffalo almost do it last year. And I think the Vikings with KOC, that offense is going to be way different. They're swapping to the 3-4 defense, which I think fits how their defense is built much, much better. They've got the pass rush. They, they've got the offense to do it. This This could potentially be the year we see the have-nots become the haves and see one of these teams get themselves a ring.
1: Yeah. My, my, my take here is the bills. Obviously that they're within the conversation of the bills, the chiefs, the Ravens, uh, Ravens might not even belong in that conversation. Um, but the, the question has now become, you know, is Josh Allen going to take that next step of like,
0: you know, he had the ridiculous
1: game in the chiefs game, but he, they just couldn't have their defense, stop Patrick Mahomes. So really it's the the defense, the defense that will stop a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or whoever ends up being in the playoffs. No matter who it is in the AFC, the defenses have to step up because the quarterback play is going to be insane.
2: Which is the, the reason I almost went with the chargers because I think they took the biggest leap and they were probably one of, if not the best team in the AFC already. And then you look at like Kansas city who is really Patrick Mahomes and then everybody else, kind of like the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and everybody else. I think the Ravens are well-balanced. I think the Chargers probably have the most upside of any of these teams. And we can't really forget about Cincinnati and, and seeing what they did last year. I, I think they had a little uh, a more favorable luck, if you will, than than anything. But I I do think that that's a, a big one in Denver they probably, you know, obviously bringing in Russell Wilson to what was a pretty darn good team shouldn't really make them kind of the, the under the radar pick. But Denver has a chance to be in that that conversation with what is just an it's an absolute bloodbath in the AFC playoffs, whereas the NFC, uh, it's just like a pillow fight. Yeah, very much
1: so. And that that that's why. The pillow fight is much more winnable, which means you, you might be able to get a surprise team. I think that in all honesty, the the NFC is just the Packers, Rams and Buccaneers and that there's really not anyone else I see winning. But the Vikings have an argument like they, they have a decent quarterback. They have a great running back and they have a, one, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And I really don't really analyze defense that well. Or do the Vikings have a good defense, average defense? What is their defense looking like going into 2022?
2: I, well, I think the swap to 3-4 is huge for them. They still have Daniil Hunter on the outside. They brought in zadarius Smith, uh, which is huge. I still have Eric Kendricks, who is one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL, especially from like a coverage standpoint. You still have Harrison Smith on the back end. But swapping to 3-4 and, and really being able to rush the passer, whereas that boring 4-3 defense that Zimmer always ran, was basically lean on your cornerbacks, which is why he always drafted one in the first round that busted. Uh, I think this defense makes a lot more for how they're built. But the KOC factor, I think, is huge offensively because I think we're actually going to see Kirk Cousins get to do the things we see him do in those games where he absolutely explodes. Yes, they still have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, but you you have if are the best, if not you know, top two wide receiver in the league and Justin Jefferson, you have one of the probably top five wide receiver twos in the NFL and Adam Thielen. KJ Osborne's no slouch as far like a wide receiver three goes, uh, Herb Smith who this should be his breakout year That offense should be one of the best in the NFC. And the defense I think is going to take a big leap forward. Obviously, uh, they were pretty darn bad last year, but, I think that was a lot of Zimmer and, and a lot a lot less to do with the actual talent. They did have the injury bug a bit, but um, yeah, I think this team all in all takes a huge leap forward and, and we see them potentially going crazy in the passing game.
1: All right, that should wrap us up for this evening. You heard it her first, Ravens over Packers, Bills over Vikings. Make sure to add us to the end of year when we're both exactly right. Um, <laughs> any last words, Dan?
2: No, enjoy the football season. Obviously, we'll still be here with you guys every single week. But uh, this is it before kickoff. So make sure you get your wings ready, your popcorn ready, your your adult beverages or your sodas, whatever you have, and, and enjoy it because football's back.
1: Alrighty, that should wrap us up. Make sure to use promo code RV Radio 2022. Get great apps like the Game Splits app, Fantasy Points Summary. Lots of great apps that you need to use to make when you're making your lineup decisions. So make sure you do RV Radio 2022 Sports Podcast. Remember that sports get, puts puts money in Dan and I's pocket. That should be your primary worry in all of life. Is how do I make Nathan and Dan richer? And how Absolutely. you do that? RV Radio 2022. I'm not really sure how it, how that happens, but uh, there's some math formula. So go do it. Kudos. Ha, ha, ha.